Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Breaking news just in, the Prime Minister of the UK has resigned. Five candidates are up for the post and will undertake... Hold on, I'm just getting something in my earpiece. Breaking news, the candidates we thought would run for Prime Minister have resigned, saying, you lot can bloody deal with this shit, I can't be asked." Hold on, something again in my earpiece. Breaking news, the candidates you didn't presume were running are now running for the position of Prime Minister. Oh no, wait. Breaking news, no they're not, we now have a new Prime Minister. Breaking news, no sorry, they've resigned too. Breaking news, the Queen has just resigned. Breaking news, all of the UN have resigned. Breaking news, Odin has resigned as leader of the gods of the Norse. Breaking news, the entire universe has just given up. Breaking news, I have just resigned. Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast podcast on this, another week, where if UK politics was a soap opera, the EastEnders drumbeat would have played every couple of hours as MPs, political journalists and the general public smashed their head against a series of drums in despair. I'm Tiernan Duyeb and while I'm not a mother, I'm more suited to host this podcast than Theresa May as I do have a stake in the future and several vampires after a rather stressful trip to Transylvania. Although to be fair, one of them might have actually been Michael Howard. It's quite hard to tell. As is ever the exciting thing about being a politics podcast uh, is that last week's show became more and more irrelevant every single hour after I released it. And so now here we are a week later with Britain about to experience the second shitty May that it's had this year. Yes, Prime Minister Theresa May is to succeed David Cameron or devour his soul. I'm not sure how the Conservatives do it. 
on Wednesday. So depending on when you're listening to this, uh, David Cameron could have just been turfed out of number 10 onto the streets where he's going to have to fend for his life with just a sharpened spoon and the shirt on his back until he dies of a rare strain of yellow fever after eating a rat carcass he found floating in the Thames. Or, you know, more likely he'll probably just have a lovely life as a millionaire doing after-dinner speeches for weapons companies whilst rarely giving a shit that he'll mainly be remembered for the deaths of disabled people, accelerating the destruction of the NHS, increasing child poverty, not building any houses, carelessly letting the Brexit happen and fucking a dead pig's head. Yes, David Cameron is going to go down in history as that twat with a face like an upset balloon who ruined pretty much everything. In Theresa May's first brief speech as a newly elected leader, she gave tribute to David Cameron and also to Andrea Leadsom, who stepped down after not being able to cope with, well, seemingly anything in life. And after four days of the worst leadership campaign possible, Andrea has probably just gone to lie down in a dark room for a very long time. Ledson never stood a chance as a challenger to Theresa May after it emerged that she had lied on her CV. But still, she can now just add Prime Minister to it anyway and hope that no one ever asks. Theresa May also mentioned how Brexit means Brexit, which suggests she doesn't understand how portmanteaus work. And she promised that she'd give people more control over their lives, and presumably she'll be checking your emails to see that you're doing it properly. So what could the Theresa May regime look like? Well, based on her work in the Home Office, the entire police service could be replaced with G4S, which means that when you call 999, it just links through to a ringing phone in a room completely empty apart from a barking dog. As UK citizens need to renew their now non-EU passports, the backlog that was created could build to an incredible amount and therefore many people will be deported because they haven't arrived in the post yet. Anything that produces any kind of joy could be classed as a narcotic and banned, and we could all be reduced to eating cardboard and watching 15 channels of reality shows about paint drying. Plus, Theresa May has a geography degree, so expect some fast-paced erosion of society, leading to a change in the political landscape. Yes, she's an easily identifiable natural hazard. But I hear you cry, how great that we'll have a female Prime Minister again. Yes, true, except it's a bit like how I feel about Hillary Clinton in the US. You know, I'm very, very glad that she's broken that glass ceiling. I just wish someone else had done it that isn't then likely to force-feed those glass shards to a puppy. Theresa May has said that she's a feminist, but it's obviously a special class of feminist that only supports equality for white women who are already residents of the UK, as many of her policies in the Home Office have left refugee women trapped in horrific domestic violence situations. Yes, while compassionate conservatism was merely just trashing everything you own but leaving a flower on it in a very insincere sorry note, the months of May look like it could just be a bulldozer through your front door followed by an unapologetic shit on the remains of your carpet. I'm pretty sure the Bank of England will announce soon that having May as PM will help the economy even though it's probably just because, as a woman, she'll be paid 19.2% less than David Cameron was. So on this week's show, I've attempted to chop up all the news, cook it down to just its necessary parts, and we'll serve it up with a garnish of very terrible jokes, none of which are going to stop it from tasting like terrible, terrible political shit. I'm going to be looking at the finally released long-awaited Chilcot report, the fact that Jeremy Hunt is still one of the worst people on the planet, despite there being tons of contenders this year, and I have a really lovely chat with Maurice McLeod from Media Diversified about the rise of post-Brexit racism. Firstly, though, uh, as always, uh, cheers, big ears for listening to the show. Uh, again, there's been a big boost in listeners over the last week or so, which is lovely. Uh, and hello if you're a newbie and very well done for joining at the best point uh, in order to not suffer from terrible, terrible jingles. Secondly, we've had one new iTunes review. So thank you very much to QP Cafe for those lovely words. And uh, if you also listen to this via an Apple device, then please do rate us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. It really, really does help. Uh, thirdly, uh, I realised last week that I did the same joke about the uh, 
AA credit ratings and batteries two weeks in a row, and none of you seem to notice, you absolute slackers. I'm also hoping because uh, it may also be just, hey, it is a great joke, and you loved hearing it twice. Uh, more likely, you just probably didn't realise it was a joke and just listened through it anyway. Anyway, I promise it shan't happen again. Uh, fourth of Lee, um, one thing I do want to let you know about, this is in the in the IRL, in real life world, um, I am running an event on July the 21st at Conway Hall in Holborn in London. Uh, so if you live near there or you've heard of London or read about it in a book, um, do come along, right? Because what I've tried to do is something in the style of John Stewart's uh, Rally to Restore Sanity. And I thought in these crazy political times, what I would do is get a mega, mega list of comedians and poets and musicians um, from 7.30pm to 11pm, just endless acts, uh, in order to cheer us up and restore a little bit of sanity to this rather crazy uh, world that we're in at the moment. Um, all the proceeds go towards helprefugees.co.uk, uh, and currently the lineup includes people like Shappy Corsandi, Andy Zaltzman, Phil Jupiter, Mitch Ben, Angela Barnes, Tiffany Stevenson, Johnny and the Baptist, Nish Kumar, uh, some of the Hackney Colliery Band, uh, Ball Z, who's a beatboxer, uh, Shemaine Suleiman and Mr G who are poets. It's going to be fantastic. Um, and you can book all the tickets via uh, conwayhall.org.uk uh, if you search the events or on Eventbrite if you search for A Night to Restore Sanity. Um, it's going to be really brilliant fun. I'm going to be hosting and uh, hopefully it will cheer everyone that comes up for at least uh, an evening. Um, it's also part of a series of events run by Sam Duckworth, who you might know as the musician uh, Get Cape, Wear Cape, Fly and he's created this series of events called the Summer of Love 16, uh, including loads of free panels and, and music events and all sorts of things uh, and they're all quite cheap or or free and they're under the banner of being pro-unity and diversity and generally not being a dick uh, it's brilliant it's a great thing that he's doing um, so if you want to check that out it's on twitter or facebook at summer of love 16 it's going to be fantastic and uh, lastly um, there's going to be no podcast next week as I'm getting married on Sunday and if I spend my first day as a married man shouting at news and recording and editing this I think it might not bode well uh, for the future of my relationship um, there is going to be a show the week after but because uh, I'm away next week there might not be an interview and I'm probably going to struggle to interview someone while I'm away again if I spend the, the mini honeymoon I'm having uh, calling and having political interviews could well could well not uh, do good things for our relationship um so, but don't worry, don't fear, right? Uh, I know you're thinking, what are we going to do? There's probably going to be more crazy news next week. Well, look, if Neil Hamilton, as he's proposed in the UKIP conference this week, uh, you know, starts an armed revolution, then I promise I will be hiding in a bunker crying a lot. Sorry, I mean, I will do a mini podcast to make sure that you are not alone in your despair. But otherwise, be back properly in two weeks. Uh, and now, for some things that you may have missed. Angela Eagle has decided to stand against Jeremy Corbyn in a challenge for the Labour leadership. So far, she had an interview on the Andrew Marr show where she avoided answering most questions and didn't announce what any of her policies are going to be. So yeah, judging by recent events, she is perfect leadership material. With the recent release of the Chilcot report, it doesn't really look good for Angela Eagle as she's an MP that voted for both the Iraq war and against the Chilcot inquiry happening. Uh, nor did it look very good for her that she announced her leadership to a half-empty room as she got entirely canyed by the Andrea Leadsom leaving the Conservative Party race news. Uh, chances are very slim that the Labour Party membership are going to vote for her anyway, and her own CLP want to hold a vote of no confidence in her, which just means that she could be out of an MPC too if this all goes horribly wrong for her. I mean, is she just taking a bullet for the team before Labour decide to split into two? Champion patroniser Diane Abbott said that Angela Eagle was the Empire Strikes Back candidate, which is a very curious statement. I'm guessing that means she's widely regarded as the best one, 
but it's going to end badly and then the Labour Party is going to have to be saved by a bunch of tiny hairy people who sing awful songs. God, that doesn't mean they're going to have to get George Galloway as a candidate again, does it? Jeremy Hunt is going to impose the new junior doctors contract on all junior doctors between this October and the end of next year. It is the contract he negotiated with the British Medical Association, but they still weren't happy with it and voted 58% to 42% not to accept it, which Jeremy Hunt says isn't enough of a mandate. You know, 50% there, not enough of a mandate to save patients' lives and make doctors work easier. But of course, it is more than enough to send the entire country into a recession and undo 43 years of legislature. Thanks, Jeremy. Hunt's reasoning for imposing the contract is the fact that the Brexit has happened and he felt that at this time people needed certainty. I'm assuming that's the sort of certainty that the NHS has included on a list of things that are going to shit rapidly. Hopefully Jeremy Hunt won't keep his position as Health Secretary in Theresa May's cabinet, but if he does, I suspect many more junior doctors will diagnose themselves as in need of another line of work. Just after the Queen, Brexit and Keith Lemon in the list of things the British public think they need but they aren't quite sure why, is the Trident Nuclear Programme. In his dying days as Prime Minister, David Cameron has announced that MPs will finally vote on whether or not to renew the Trident programme later this month. And he thinks the vote will confirm that they should replace all four submarines. Because it seems to be in the Conservatives' best interest in the moment to spend a lot of money on destructive contrivances that then sit around for ages completely failing to progress humanity in any way. Like a heavily diseased pigeon, the Brexit has brought many unpleasant things with it. General political mayhem, economic collapse, and allowing the French and Americans the opportunity to make fun of us for once. One of the most hugely worrying aspects has been the rise in hate crimes. It seems as though some thought the Leave vote meant the instant removing of non-UK citizens from the country, and that by voting out, it justified their racist views. But it hasn't just been the Leave vote that did this. I mean, the campaigns leading up to it featured posters from UKIP imitating Nazi propaganda, and the narrative was all based on the old rhetoric of people coming over here and taking all our jobs, even though there's absolutely no evidence of that being true. It's been a staple in the press for several years now, you know, the front pages warning of migrant tides, and even David Cameron callously referring to refugees as a swarm, which is not only dehumanising and disgusting, but also goes against the very, very British rule that you only say swarm when the weather's really humid. This week, to discuss all of that, as well as the depressing recent events in America of even more racially prejudiced killings, uh, I spoke to Morris McLeod, who's a longtime journalist, uh, social commentator and director of the Excellent Media Diversified, which is a non-profit independent publishing platform that aims to advance the conversation around race, politics, identity and popular culture. I've really, really enjoyed talking to Maurice, and as you'll see, he's a fantastically eloquent and interesting man. Um, Irritatingly, about three quarters of the way through the interview, the recording platform that I used decided that it was full of memory, and in panic, instead of being able to fix it, I just sort of switched it off and resorted to a far, far worse recording app that I used as a backup, and it wasn't set up properly, and well, it sounds kind of echoey and terrible. I'm very sorry. Um, The wonderful Mark Struthers, uh, who edits this, he tried to fix it, he sadly couldn't. Um, So, look, I think Maurice's points are really worth hearing, and I've done what I can and left it in. It is in the second section, and if you can't cope, then just skip it, but I highly recommend trying. I'm really sorry I'm such a technologically challenged idiot. Anyway, here is Maurice. Enjoy. So current reports say that hate crime has risen in Britain 42% in the last year and there's been a real sharp increase since Brexit. Do you think this is a temporary increase or do you think that Britain's become more racist and divisive as a result of kind of recent events? 
Well, well, to be honest, I'm, I one, I think that the the, the forty two percent figure is vastly underestimated. There's a few organisations that I'm part of, Race on the Agenda, and and, and other organisations that we're linked to, and level of reports both from sort of established minorities, so sort of uh, you know black people and, and Muslims, and and also people that up until fairly recently you know, were, were quite um, sheltered from, from, from racing their guys. So white migrants from Eastern Europe, etc. The level of increase has been phenomenal. And, and so 42% actually seems like an underestimate, if anything. I don't think people really generally report this stuff, unless it's fair, unless it's severe. You know, if, if someone says something to someone in the street, as a rule, you don't, people don't report that sort of stuff to the police. So sadly, I think that 42% is probably um, vastly underestimating it. Now, whether Britain's got sort of suddenly more racist or not, I, I'm also a little bit um i'm a little bit cautious about saying that because to my mind organizations that i've been part of including media diversified have been saying this for ages have been seeing a gradual increase both in in racism and xenophobia and also in people's confidence in expressing you know those those sort of deep dark inner thoughts that, that maybe maybe we, we were get, we were getting to a situation where you know the pc brigade or whatever 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 the right wing likes to call it yeah. and, um it sort of encouraged people that maybe it wasn't cool to go around saying that sort of stuff and and bit by bit we're we're you know we're, we've been seeing a, a backlash against that where people are like no no i can say what i want and 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 you know whether it's the growth of UKIP or the English Defence League or or even just the mainstream parties getting a little bit more um, pandering to those sort of messages. You know we've been seeing a gradual but determined increase in racism and race and racist incidents anyway. So so I, I don't think the Brexit thing has has sort of suddenly invented a racist Britain. It's just um, emboldened some of the people that that maybe were thinking this stuff. They they sort of suddenly now think oh you know 17 million people are on my side. Well you're great. Well you, you know. That, that, that's what I can say then I'm, it's my right to go and tell that woman to take a hijab off or you know that guy to, to go back to Poland or, or, or you know or, or that black guy that's, that's lived here his whole life you know I can tell him to go back to Africa or something because everyone else agrees with me it's, it's it's people feel feel bolstered I think right yeah because there has been a, one of those things I've noticed is yeah, a lot of the kind of heroes of uh, I suppose the right wing are always people that they say, oh, well, they just tell it like it is. And often when they're <laughs> telling it like it is, they're being quite racist rather than <laughs> telling anything like it is. You know, it seems to be really odd that that's been something to be proud about, I suppose. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the whole the whole Farage thing, and, and even and not, and not even just, not, I don't think it's restricted to the UK, to be honest. I mean, you know, the, the growth of Trump in America and, and various right-wing you know, politicians across Europe um, as well, and even in Australia. So, so, so in most of the Western world, there's there's been a pushback against, it's almost like, oh, these people are getting above their station, and then and every now and again a hero steps forth who's willing to say what we all think, and what we all think is, you know, bugger off back to wherever you come from. It's it's so, so, so the, the the say it the, the tell it like it is thing and the PC gone mad thing. I mean, the PC gone mad um, myth. I would say has, has been going on. You know, something that Spitting Image used to do in the late eighties. Yeah. So it's not. It's, this is nothing new at all. It's just. It's just a gradual growth of, of people saying pretty outrageous, or going back to, to saying pretty outrageous things after after a short blip of um, of, of, of sort of uh, people feeling like, oh God, maybe we can't say this stuff. It's worrying, but it's been worrying for a while. You know? Sure. Because it's been something that I, uh, I've felt has been uh, quite expressed a lot in, in papers. You know, papers have been very divisive, very anti-immigration, anti-refugee, and... 
I suppose part of it is I, I know there's that, I think it's that Marx theory, isn't there, that if when the government want you to kind of ignore the austerity and everything, they'll, they'll suddenly start pushing racist agendas instead. But do you feel sort of that's been the case? Because you're saying that politicians have been kind of, it has been in main political parties and it, it's definitely been on the front pages of a lot of newspapers. There's been a kind of yes. anger towards outsiders or immigrants yes. or whatever they choose to call them this week, you know. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, I, for my sins, spent, spent quite some time working on the Daily Express. Oh, wow. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I kind of joined when it was it was making moves to be a left-wing version of the mail, and then, it, you know, Richard Desmond took over the paper and it very quickly reverted to type. And uh, When was uh, it going to be left-wing? I had no uh, idea. Yeah, <laughs> no, one, no one remembers. There was, there was a little phase where um, Rosie Boycott, who was, was named by the sort of right-wing press Rizzler Rosie because she sort of thought it was probably a good idea to, to stop criminalising marijuana and stuff like that. So she right. she took over the paper um, and, and started making those moves. We've got loads of angry letters from sort of, you know, generals from Tunbridge Wells or whatever. And then, um, <laughs> God. <laughs> and then Richard Desmond bought the paper and just went, no, 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 let's go right back over to, let's, let's be let's be a, a dumb man's Daily Mail. And, and, and that's what it went back to being. So I, I, I sort of found myself trapped in a paper that, you know, was, was writing stories about immigrate, immigrants eating swans and all sorts of crazy, oh, made-up nonsense. Um, so, so, you know, um, the, 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 the Mail, the Express... And 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 yeah, and the sun. Uh, but also, um, to be honest, also the, the papers that sort of purport to be you know centre or left leaning have have not have not had a, have a brilliant record. To be honest, on migration and not just on migration and racism, also on. I mean, you, you can look you can look at the look at the staff makeups of these papers. To, you know, for, for as long as I've been a journalist, which. It's been about 25 years. There's been a big call for these papers to diversify their staff, and you know there's been there's been efforts, but we're we're not much further on from, from than where we were sort of 25 years ago. It's still um, journalism is is a, is a is a club for dare I say it you know posh white people to tell stories about posh white people. That's sure. that's kind of you know that's that's kind of what journalism and and the mainstream media is and and, and has been for, for forevermore. To be honest. Do you think social media has helped to increase levels of racial abuse or do you think that we're kind of more aware of it because of social media? Like, I, I've sort of found that, again, I, I'm endlessly on Twitter and I notice people being aggressively racist on Twitter far more than I ever have seen in real life, I think. You know, yeah. uh, it seems quite... But but then I also wonder if, uh, like you say, it's always been there. Has this just allowed people to be more vocal and open about it? Social media is interesting, isn't it? I, I think it's a, li- it's a little bit of both. I think, I think social media absolutely puts a megaphone in the hands of sad weirdos who would have just been locked in their bedrooms before. So that, that's definitely true. I mean, when I when I you know when I write something, uh, when I have something published in the Guardian, yeah, and that's in the Guardian. That's, you know, I'm not even talking about you know a, a right wing publication. When I have something published in the Guardian, the, the level of, of vitriol that I get from people who who just kind of feel like you're they're anonymous behind behind their screen and they can say whatever they want is it, quite phenomenal. But I'm you know I certainly don't believe that again that social media is invented those people it's just, it's just given them the power to, to say what they want and to, and to amplify their voices now it's also on the other side it's also given power to sort of minority groups and people that are marginalized to want to come together and form alliances with themselves and go oh god it's not just me there are other people that are going through this we can you know uh, the, the organization i'm part of media diversified very much grown because of social media you know we have allies all over the all over the, the world because of social media um so it can go both ways i also i also 
think also a bit of a bugbear of mine is that, that social media allows all of us to, or encourages, not even allows, encourages all of us to create our own little echo chambers of people that think like us. So if you're a bigot from wherever, you find other bigots and you go, wow, God, the world's full of bigots. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a weirdo. Everyone thinks like me. And you, you feel great. You feel like, wow, I can say this stuff um, because... You know, I've got links with the four other, you know, oddballs who also think this stuff. So, so it's still, it's still obviously fledgling. You know, we, 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 it feels like it's been there forever, but it's still obviously fledgling. We're still, we're still finding how to behave and how not to behave on social media. So, I, th- I think I, I'm certainly not one of these people that sort of thinks social media is the devil that's created all this stuff. I just think it's, it's given us new ways of looking at stuff that's already there and new ways of interacting with each other. But yeah, I, th- I think the echo chamber thing is important. I think we need to somehow find ways of, of getting involved in conversations with people who think differently to us to us but not in an abusive manner I don't, you know um, yeah. I, I still think we're not very good at doing that no 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 definitely not and it's, it's interesting what you're saying about when you like write for the guardian I, I mean i wonder if as you're saying that kind of the world of journalism isn't very diverse at all but I, I wonder if that puts people off writing now that things are primarily online and they know they're going to get a barrage of horrible comments I mean, it really doesn't matter what you write anymore. You do get horrible comments underneath. Do you think that puts people off wanting to write, uh, you know, what, what they want to write, I suppose? Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. I mean, it's, it's, sadly, it's true. I mean, I, I also, um, of course, I've got lots of, lots of different hats. I also um, <laughs> lecture at uh, the London College of Communication and the, the young students there, you know, these, these are people that are very much digital natives, as they call You know, they're very much grown up with social media it's not new to them and 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 a lot you know when we're talking about comment writing and really putting your putting yourself out there and saying talking about your own experiences and your own views a lot of them will say you know but if i do that i'm just going to get trolled i'm going to have i'm going to i'm going to experience horrible horrible racism and and, and uh, racism and, and attacks on you know on, on my gender or my sexuality or whatever whatever is perceived to be a point of attack basically um but but i i, I think and i hope we'll find ways of learning to to deal or to block out or to or to or to move on from those criticisms and then people will bit by bit learn that you know that, that they can still make their points and they can still write their articles again at media diversified one of the reasons I guess that we exist is almost shy away from from saying the term, but that we can be a safe space for for for, for, for people to come and, and express views that are quite personal and are quite do make them quite vulnerable. But they know that there's a community of people around them that whether they agree with what they've particularly written or not, you know, um, are at least going to defend them against against the nutters who who do like to come to our site and, and have a pop. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I'm, I'm not sh- I'm not I'm not I'm not sure how it's ends up and you know i guess being a fairly old bloke i'm probably not the best person to, to, to say how how it develops in the future but it's certainly something i i, I know that, that puts some people off for me i mean for me it's different i guess i i remember when i first started writing and getting um, horrible comments underneath at first i was a bit you know upset by it but but now I'm like, wow, you've, I always reply with, wow, thanks for reading my stuff. I'm sorry, because I, I am a little bit glad that even if they're nutters, I'm glad they've taken the time to read something that I've written. I'm, I'm still actually quite pleased about that. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's the same thing in, in comedy. When you get heckled, there's a little bit of it. You goes, well, they paid attention. Uh, <laughs> they're giving me the attention I wanted. It's all right, really. <laughs> Terrible. So because so, Media Diversified is, is obviously fantastic in your, uh, as you say, you created a safe space. But is it, are any of the other main media outlets attempting to do that? And, and do you feel that any of the political parties 
really represent kind of ethnic minorities in the UK? Because it, it sort of feels to me, especially in the 2015 election and probably still now, I think, that they were all pretty much aimed at middle-class white people. <laughs> that's what all the political parties were, were reaching yeah, out to. Uh, I mean, I think that's, I think that's uh, a problem across, across, across politics, to be honest. We, um, for, for Media Diversified, I, I produce a, um, myself and a colleague produce a, a weekly column called White Men Dancing. And, and what that is, is that politics really is just, to, to some people it is like, it's just, it's just these weird people kind of doing something weird that's not connected to them and looks a bit odd. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like white men dancing. Sorry. Okay. That's, that's all right. That might, that might, you might be a great dancer. I'm sorry. That's I don't, right. I just mean, <laughs> it's entirely fair. It's entirely fair. I, I won't comment on my dancing. Let's just... Uh... <laughs> no, but what, but what I mean, but, but certainly um, in terms of parties, um, since, since, since the growth of UKIP, I think UKIP have managed to harness a buzz that was there they've managed to grasp and legitimise some pretty ugly thoughts and that's not saying that everyone that supports UKIP is, is a racist or anything like that I'm not at all saying that but if you do have those thoughts suddenly there's a party that doesn't sound that different to the things you say and it's putting up posters that, that, that you can tweet and, and, and not get lambasted for and you know suddenly that's the case and it, it, it certainly dragged the Conservative Party to the right and encourage them to have this referendum, for instance. But also, it's put a lot of pressure on the supposed left-wing parties. So, as you know, all the time in the world for Jeremy Corbyn, I think he's, I think he's great. Um, I think he's under a lot of pressure. Yeah. And, yeah. and one of the... I, mean, I went to my local Labour Party for the first time in, in ages, and the debate, really weirdly, was um, Jeremy Corbyn doesn't understand how... The, this is in Tooting, in South London, where I live. Right. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn doesn't understand that in the north of England, working-class people, they just don't like my and he's been too soft on migrants and we as a party you know we need to understand that migration is a really big problem and instead of sort of saying you know what we need to have a different narrative we need to really be promoting the the thing that's great about britain is that it is you know a nation of migrants that we've that we've always had people from all over the world and this is what's wonderful about us that's why that's why we can produce grime and you know and, and whatever else you know the, you know, the stuff that, that britain can do not many other countries in the world can mm. and it's because of this constant influx of people bringing their selves and their talents and their cultures this is what you know and i don't really hear any parties saying that and and what i fear post brexit is that that even the labor party if 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 the sort of rebels manage to do what they're trying to do and, and get rid of corbyn that the labor party will drift in that direction as well and then then it's you know you're almost left with well who is speaking for who is speaking for for the minorities um and 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 what you end up with is with people just going well politics it's just not for me it's a bunch of white men dancing forget it you know it's yeah it's, yeah and then they don't vote i guess because they think there's no point it's yeah. the same as sort of, I, I think you know like a lot of young people kind of say well politi politicians aren't aren't doing anything for me i may as well not vote for them and you think but yeah, yeah. oh god and that's how we yeah it's, it's really tricky it yeah that. but it was i mean it fascinated me too because I, I spent um mainly for this podcast i spent a lot of time kind of looking up stuff for the eu referendum and trying to find actual facts and you know the, the fact that there's con no conclusive evidence that that immigrants from other countries take people's jobs <laughs> or that, you know there's no effect of it or you know or how it was the conservatives that cut gordon brown's kind of subsidy that helped areas with high levels of immigration and yes. but none of that has been mentioned by anyone <laughs> baffles yeah, it's, me it's yeah it's really sad you know it's 
it's it's it's a real shame that no one because I think that's something that that people would be willing to hear if that if mm. if anyone was saying it and saying it forcefully enough. Yeah, it, it, it's a real shame. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm an optimist. I always think, okay, things think uh, I'm, I'm not happy with 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 the Brexit vote clearly, but that's what that's happened now. But I, I guess I'm also old enough to remember, you know, the 80s when when sort of it seemed like we'd never get rid of the Tories. They just kept winning over and over and over again. And as horrible as that was, and as and we're still feeling the effects of it now, let's face it, and yeah. and, and, and of, let's be straight, and with new Labour that, that followed and, and kept a lot of the policies, we're still feeling the effects of it now. But what also came out of that time was protest mu- mu- uh, music and um, really interesting community groups and coming together and alliances and political hip-hop and, um, and, and all sorts of um, almost cultural pushbacks against that sort of um, that, the sort of rhetoric that we were getting from the mainstream that, that as a, it sounds like a, a really small silver lining but I, I am I am even seeing now alliances between organizations that previously were busy too busy bickering amongst each other and suddenly going whoa hang on we've got to come together and, and defend the people that we're supposed to be supporting here because because times are going to get a little bit rough so that's yeah, um, yeah which it doesn't sound like a good thing, but but it is. It is a good thing. Good good things will come from this. Yeah, people, people will be galvanised. People will be um, will be politicised. Um, you know, the future the future politicians, the future activists, the future community leaders, other 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 sort of. 15, 16, 17-year-olds who are seeing this Brexit thing and going, oh, my God, what, what's happened to the country? Those people will go on to be, be active, which is a good thing. And we'll return to Maurice in just a minute. But first... Chilcot Inquiry audiobook, excerpt page 478. WMD. WMD. I do love acronyms. I'm a PC with a CB, a GCB and a KCB, and I once worked for MI5 and MI6. I have no idea what they all mean, but they look fancy and it means I can introduce myself as Lord Chilcot's Kubber Kukubur Gugabuk, and no one can do a damned thing about it. In fact, WMD reminds me of the noise our small boat used to make when we took it out for a swim off the coast of Poole. Woomada, its rusty old engine would go. Woomada, 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 and then a chug, 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 as you tried to get it up and running. It certainly took more than 45 minutes to get her going. <laughs> what was I going on about? Oh, boats. Yes, boats are great. That was an excerpt from the audiobook of the Chilcot Inquiry, page 478. More highly anticipated than The Force Awakens, the long, long long-awaited Chilcot report was finally released last week, much to the chagrin of former Prime Minister and walking shoe target Tony Blair. 2.6 million words and several forests of it in a way that proved Chilcot has spent so long on this, he started before e-books were even around. Lord Chilcot presented his findings in a presentation that really felt like the iPhone 7 should have been unveiled at the end. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Instead, we got a damning report into all of the intelligence failings that led to the atrocity that was and still is the Iraq war. From 2003, the war destabilised Iraq hugely to the extent that it has never really recovered and it resulted in hundreds and thousands of deaths, including so, so many civilians. The war was largely based on the premise that Saddam Hussein, the Iraq leader, had weapons of mass destruction that could be assembled and attack the UK in just 45 minutes. Despite a complete lack of evidence and the knowledge that really, had they bothered to check, the UK companies that sold Iraq all their weapons could have just advised otherwise. While public opinion in the UK at the time, in 2003, was 58% for the war, many opposed it all over the world and worldwide demonstrations took place with millions and millions in protest. MPs such as Claire Shaw and Robin Cook resigned from their posts, the UN weapons inspector David Kelly was mysteriously found dead, and Liberal Democrat Charles Kennedy was shamed for his anti-war stance, ruining his career and turning him to alcoholism. So needless to say, Chilcott's findings were less of a surprise, more a relief that finally an old rich white man is saying what we've all been thinking for years, so therefore it must be true. Phew. Now, before I go any further, uh, let's just remember the Iraq War is one of those subjects where you can have some nuance. For example, Saddam Hussein was indeed a terrifying dictator who is also responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Iraqi civilians. But this doesn't mean it justified a war killing even more civilians. That's very much the thinking of the two wrongs make a right school of thought, which we all know isn't true. Two wrongs make a wrong wrong, and if you do wrong wrong, it makes your heart go still, which isn't healthy, especially on a Monday. The key findings in the Chilcot report, or at least in as many of the 2.6 million words that people have actually managed to read of it, include that all peaceful options of disarmament hadn't been exhausted, and so military action for the UK and US wasn't a last resort. They include that the intelligence around the existence of WMDs was presented with a certainty that wasn't justified, which sounds a lot like when I tell my jokes in a comedy club. The planning and preparation for what happened to Iraq after the execution of Saddam Hussein were wholly inadequate. That Blair was warned it would increase the threat of terror attacks on the UK and US. That the government didn't achieve its stated objectives and that there was no imminent threat from Saddam at the time to the Western world. I mean, a government not having the full needed intelligence then going ahead gung-ho with drastic action that affects people's lives despite no clear plan about what will happen afterwards. Well, I'm glad that doesn't happen anymore, hey guys? Guys? But there's also a few more weird moments in the report, including Tony Blair saying to George Bush just several months before the war, I will be with you, whatever. Which makes it all sound a bit like a teen drama where Bush's parents had banned him from going out with a guy who actually believed in education. But it was this sort of sweet nothings that meant that Blair and Bush undermined the UN Security Council's authority, uh, meaning the legal basis for the war wasn't at all clear. 
There's also one bit in the report that discusses the secret intelligence services descriptions of the weapons of mass destruction, uh, and they mention that the WMDs are reported as being in glass containers, which typically aren't used in chemical munitions, and actually were only depicted as such in the action movie The Rock. Which ponders the question, did the secret intelligence service just add in bits from films to make the report seem more plausible? Or was the real solution to overthrowing Saddam Hussein just sending in Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery? I mean, several hundred lives could have depended on just two men breaking in. If anything, that sounds like a solution to an awful lot of problems. So, what now? Well, Chilcott was very careful to not provide the legal case on whether Blair was guilty of war crimes, as he said that that was for the courts. But Conservative MP David Davis is presenting a motion to say that Blair was in contempt of Parliament. And that's not entirely clear what would happen to the former Prime Minister if he was ruled as guilty of deceiving Parliament, but he would definitely be stripped of his Privy Councillorship. And I know what you're thinking, you're going, imagine that, he is responsible for the deaths of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, and that means that he won't be able to advise the Queen on a couple of unimportant things anymore. That is justice, ladies and gentlemen, that is justice. And Tony Blair himself, well, you know, he seemed a tad more sheepish than his usual smug self at his press statement after the report was released, but he didn't seem all that sorry. Instead, he said that he would invade Iraq again. Hopefully he means by himself this time and maybe just a sharpened spoon, because I'm not even sure that Cage and Connolly would want to back him. Blair chose to read what he wanted to from the report. He said that Chilcott doesn't state that there was any improper use of intelligence, which I suppose that's fair, because how can you improperly use anything you weren't using in the first place? And Tony still insists that he did all of it to maintain peace in Iraq. You know, that in that way where, sort of, if you bomb somewhere enough, it means eventually it's quite peaceful because absolutely nothing there survives anymore. And really, has anyone actually learnt anything from this war at all? I mean, Cameron decided to push for a vote to bomb Syria, again, for peace with recent evidence that UK bombs failed to hit any of ISIS targets, despite them supposedly being surgical strikes. I suppose in the way that you might go to have your appendix out and you'd find that someone six beds down has now lost a leg and you've still got your appendix. And those in Labour who supported the Iraq war and voted against the report happening are now running for leadership of Labour uh, all over again. So all in all, the boat hasn't really rocked much. I mean... Blair maybe being a contempt of Parliament, that will come through and we'll have to wait and see what comes from that and whether the families of the soldiers and those that died in the war are going to get any sort of real compensation. Researchers and civil servants are going through the report word by word and as there's 2.6 million of them, we might just have to wait another bloody seven years to find out what those words are. And now, back to Maurice. And, and I think it's also something, uh, like you were saying earlier with social media, looking at sort of like the Black Lives Matter hashtag that's become such a strong movement and there's been because there's been protests this weekend or marches this weekend in in the UK which is amazing and do you think so do you think that the empathy over here with the the killings in the US do you think that's been felt more strongly because of the referendum or do you think that's just a a kind of the world kind of uh, you know empathizing and reaching out to each other because we now have we're more connectiveness I suppose well, that's interesting I, I don't I don't think it's because of the referendum actually I I I think there's always been pretty close links between uh, the, the black community here and the black community in the US. So let, let's face it, the United States, because of its uh, cultural dominance, because of you know Hollywood and hip hop and, and you know, Hollywood and music, mm. has always had a big reach across all races. But black communities in Britain uh, have always have always had a, had a link had, and had an interest in the US and had and been aware of you know the, the killings and the, and the various incidents that have been going on there. You know from Rodney King to 
to Demir Rice to, to, to take Trayvon Martin. These these things these these are names that not just black people but people that are people that are activists know about in Britain always have known about. Um, so so it's, it's no surprise to me that there's a uh, there's a march going on right now. I believe in in Brixton there was a march yesterday in Westminster. I think there's another one. It's at Oxford Street. Street. I think it's where, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, showing solidarity with, with the awful awful things that are going on in the in, in the United States. I will say that that it does sometimes feel like that solidarity is one way. It does, you know, America's quite an insular country, and I do mm. wonder how much American, you know, black Americans, for instance, know, you know, about Mark Duggan or Sandra Bland or you know, or any any of the, any of the campaigns that or Smiley Culture, any of the, any of the campaigns that we've had over here. I, I kind of feel like we're sometimes a little bit on our own when it comes to um, you know black British deaths, but. Um, I think you, uh, I believe you sort of teach by teach by example. I, really, I believe that you know just because they're not being that united with us, I think we should. I think I, I still think you show solidarity because you know I watch, uh, you know, I watch those YouTube videos of, of just hideous, hideous things happening in America, and yeah, and I'm I'm thankful that the British police don't have guns, to be honest. Yeah. But also, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, our mentality here is slightly different, which I'm also thankful of. But I do, I, I feel, I feel like it's happening to America member of my family I feel very uh, and I know it's not just me I'm, I'm, I, I know a lot of black people I here feel very touched and moved by the stuff that they're seeing happening in, in, in the United States and you know let's face it the United States when it comes to the drive for equality the United States and South Africa and various places are quite iconic you know the civil rights movement in, in, in the US is something that, that almost every black person grows up knowing about you know you know about Martin, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and the Black Panther Party, and before that, you know about Harriet Tubman, and these are these are things that that, that black people grow up, you know, almost as part of the, the, you know they're hardwired to know this stuff. So, so we can't help but feel connected to 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 the Black Lives Matter movement, which I, I think is the most important political mu- movement of, of of this century so far. It's 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 going to be the stuff that gets taught in schools in a hundred years' time. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing. Hello, uh, it's me. Um, So this is where the interview uh, recording went wrong. Um, There'll be a sudden point in this answer where it sounds a bit like Maurice is trapped in a cave or down a well. And I can assure you that uh, he wasn't, uh, to my knowledge. Anyway, uh, this is entirely my fault for not knowing how technology works. Um, So if you can put up with the echo, I've, I've left it in because I think his answers are brilliant um i should also say that i did there's a bit of editing in the middle where i had to cut myself out uh where i was basically panicking trying to fix it and that's why i also respond to his uh rather sort of depressing um bit about uh the number of deaths of black people caused by cops uh equating to the number of lynchings there used to be and i i respond to that perhaps rather oddly so i just want you to know that i was uh, really disturbed by the information uh it is just that then followed a pause and some panic teching and then that's why i respond quite upbeat it's not at all that i have absolutely no heart um so if you can handle it uh go for it if not skip ahead about 14 minutes uh and get to the rest of the podcast bye I mean, that was just why I was interested in the um, the recent ones, purely because we've seen, you know, it's so depressing, but there seems to be a kind of prejudicial killings in the States by cops pretty much every other week at the moment, you know, the, yeah. the names are, and I just sort of wondered what, I, I mean, unless I, I, mean, I could be completely ignorant here, but I didn't think there'd been marches over here before in support, so I wondered what... Yeah, had... 
Oh, they have. Okay, sorry, I was being ignorant. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's okay. I think that, I think the media attention is heightened because of what happened afterwards. If I'm honest, because of because of Dallas, because of because there's been this horrible, you know, police shooting in Dallas. The weird and 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 it, it's sad that, that something like that had to happen for, for for more attention to be paid to to the black deaths. You know, there I think something like 130 black people killed by police this year. Jesus. 550 people, uh, you know, full stop. So so it's not just black people. You know, but as is the case in most of the Western world, if something bad happening, bad is happening, it happens. It happens in in massive. Oh, uh, black people are always massively, massively overrepresented in those, in those figures, figures and, and that's and the case, case. Sure. that's the that's case when it comes to um, extrajudicial killings, killings by the police, by the police um, in, the, in the US, US. Um, this, is this is nothing new, new. I, mean, I wrote something um, two years ago after Ferguson that, that um, and I was shocked to find out that the, the, the rates of black killings which were never really recorded I mean the Guardian has started I think they've got something called The Counted which actually looks at who who is being Who's, who's being, being killed, killed by, by the police, police in the US? And I think Gary Young, Young their guard, one of their, a brilliant journalist um, from The Guardian, is just about to publish a book called A Day of Killing in America, which just looks at one day and looks at the people who were killed by police on one particular day. Um, um, these, these things have been going on for a, a very long time. But the rates um, are roughly two a week. So, so most of them we don't hear about. We hear about the the extreme ones, or we hear about you know the, the children with, who were shot, you know, for playing with a toy gun, or the, or the ones where there's a video. To be honest, we we, you know, we, we that, that's those, those are the ones we see. The other ones, you know, most of the time, um, mainstream media has just accepted the word of the cops. Oh, these that, those these guys were resisting, or look, this guy had a terrible record, or. You know, this yeah, guy had been smoking been marijuana, marijuana, so that's, that's why he died. It's, 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 you know, um, these things have been accepted for ages. Um, and and what, what alarms me, actually, when I, when I, when I was writing up this a couple of years ago after, after the, the troubles in Ferguson, was that um, the ex- mer- kill, killings of black people by police in the U.S., are almost exactly the same rate as lynchings used to be during the, jo- during the Jim Crow era. Um, and we kind of feel like we've moved on from that, but it's pretty much the same. Okay, you don't have um, people having picnics underneath the bodies, but you know the same amount of people with the same frequency are dying at the hands of police as used to die at the hands of lynch mobs. Um, that was actually quite shocking for me. Yeah, that's really that's horrific. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it prompted me to. I, I tried to. Um, uh, there's a famous. Uh, Song that, that, that Billy Holiday sang, Strange, Strange Fruit, which is about the lynchings. Um, and so I tried oh, yeah, yeah. and I had a go at rewriting it for, for, for the modern day. And it, to be honest, it, it pretty much fits. The, the, the whole thing is, 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 is alarmingly the same. And even the motivation and the, and the, the messaging. When, when lynchings used to happen, um, what you'd get would be the local police going, well, if these, if these guys wouldn't be rude or wouldn't, you know, you know would, would behave differently, basically, these, these things wouldn't happen to them. And when, 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 the, when these police shootings happen, what, what you, what you get is police saying, well, if they wouldn't wear hoods, if they, if they just answer correctly to the police when we speak to them, if they just, it's, it's like, it's still the victim's fault because of something in their behavior. That it's, you know, um, and, 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 and the, the aim is still, um, 
it's still, it's still no, I don't know if it's necessary, necessary game, game, but the, the, the result, result is to instill fear into these, into these communities. communities. Oh, hang on, there's a policeman, I need to behave in a particular way or I could die. Or, you know, there's a... You know, yeah, there's a white guy, I need to behave in a particular way or I'm going to be hanging from a tree. Um, it's not really changed that much. And I, I, I don't like to say things like that because I, I, you know, I'm an optimist. I do think things get better. I do think, you know, as, as Martin Luther King said, you know, the arc of justice is, is long, but it's, you know, we're going in the right direction. Um, and sometimes you think, oh, God, are we? Or if, if, um, I, I think one of the, one of the lines from, from the piece was that Lynchings didn't stop, they just put on a uniform. It's, you know, nothing, it's, you'd like to think things have improved, but sometimes you're like, I, I think I'm being naive thinking that. No, that's, that's really worrying, they're really worrying figures. I didn't realise that at all. Mm. Yeah, just uh, as a last question, the, the, the Chilcot report came out uh, last week. Um, I sort of feel, having it, sort of, I'm 35, I remember it. it's been quite a large part of my life, the Iraq war, uh, especially recent years. Uh, it sort of feels to me that it's had quite a huge effect on on the Western world, mainly in the way in which they kind of perceive Arabic people and, and Muslim people um, and, and kind of has created a massive divide there, um, as well as, you know, the, the obviously the, the horrific elements of the war itself and the effect it had on the Middle East. Do you, do you think, how, how do you think that the, the, the whole Iraq war affected affected us? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I couldn't, couldn't agree, agree more, Tim, and I think, I think that um, there are, there are sort of pivotal events. events you, you, you say, you say you're sort of mid-30s, I'm, I'm, I'm mid-40s, and, and for me, um, you know, the minor strike, there's, there's the Iraq war, um, and, and, and now probably the EU referendum. I think that's going to be the bits that people remember in the future. These are massive sort of turning points. You know, you know, in, in, in British, British or world, or, or, or you know, world, world, um, world politics, um, and and, and the, the, the war, the war, war in Iraq. Um, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I think, I think, I think it, it legitimised Islamophobia. Islamophobia. I mean, I mean, that, and, uh, yeah, yeah, carrying you know, following on from um, following on from nine eleven and seven seven. The war in Iraq and the fact that we were at war with with. You know, you know, both Iraq and, 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 and Afghanistan as well, actually. You know, the fact that we were fighting in the Middle East and the enemies were, were, were people who were Muslims, basically, or people of, um, people of colour who, who looked like they could be Muslims. Kind of legitimised um, uh, the, the Islamophobia that, that, to be honest, has grown and grown and, and been, been nurtured by... Um, by all, by all sorts, sorts of different, different political, political um, parties, parties, both fringe, fringe and mainstream. Um, um, so, so, so that you, so you end up with uh, British, British Muslims, Muslims like, 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 like the guys, guys I went to school with, and, and, and you know, always, always we always felt very integrated, very, very together, suddenly feeling completely isolated by a society that sort of has turned against them. Massive stories in, you know, the mainstream papers about, you know, and, you know, and, 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 and even government, government strategies, strategies, you know, the prevent policy, the anti-extremism policy that the government brought in, which is one of the most ridiculous bits of policy out there, which is basically making being devout or being political. It's almost made that a crime. And what you end up doing is pushing, you know, pushing people towards extremism, push, pushing, pushing people away, away from, from mainstream, mainstream and either they, they retreat into themselves, themselves or, 
or, or are vulnerable to, 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 to radicalisation. Um, but, but then also the effect it's had on, on, on mainstream Britain is, as I say, to, to legitimise um, the, the, the quite hideous um, Islamophobia that... It's almost, it's almost, it's almost natural now. It's, it's almost the case. You know, the word terrorist, in most people's mind, means an Islamic person blowing something up. You know, you can have, you could have uh, Dylan Roof, you know, the the, the, um, the white extremist in America who blew up South Carolina church. Yeah, killed killed those nine black children. He's not a terrorist for some reason because basically he's not a Muslim. Is, is the thinking. thinking. It's, it's really, really um, we, we've, we've ended, ended up in a really weird and dark place. place. And, and, and the war in Iraq, Iraq was the start of it. And also, I also think, think that, that, that for some people, you know, I was, I was, I was, I'm proud to be to one of the, the two million people that went, went on the anti war marches. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, most people I speak to seem to have been on that, that march, seem to have been anti war. But um, 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 it's, it's. I also feel like for, 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 for when, when, when it became. When it was, when it was released, released that, 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 that what we always, we thought, always thought was true, that there, there were no um, uh, weapons of mass destruction, that, that the war was a lie, you know, as Chilcos has kind of confirmed. We've kind of known that, you know, forever. Um, um, when that stuff is convinced, that's, that's another, another massive, massive reason, reason that people have no faith in politicians. It, it, it kind of just confirms that, well, they'll just say anything. They'll say whatever they need to say to get elected or to get past this particular problem or to, to sway us in that particular way. Um, I, think, I think that, that it's also had a massive effect on undermining the, the democratic process and, and our faith in, in those people that are supposed to be representing us. I think that. that that, that, yeah, yeah Tony, Tony Blair and, and his his, his uh, fervor to to to, um, to, 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 go, to along go along with George Bush and and, 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 and get involved in that, in that war has has, has had massive, massive and still is having massive implications. And as you say, that's not even that's not even talking about the 179 British troops, troops and the 150,000 Iraqi civilians and the million Iraqi. Um, um, civilians, civilians who have been, been displaced, displaced. You know, sparking, sparking the migration, migration crisis, crisis that, 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 <laughs> that we that now, we now use, use as an excuse to leave Europe. It's really, uh, yeah, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I'm almost stunned by people's inability, inability to join the dots up and say, yeah. well, hang on, this is happening, but it's because of that. It's not because, you know, these people just love Britain and want to come here and get benefits. It's because... You know, you know, we've displaced uh, them. And, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we we, 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 we displaced them, or, or we sold bombs to the people that are displaced them, or we, you know, we've been involved in this stuff, um, and, and and now we want to sort of wash our hands and go, oh, nothing to do with us, Gov. Oh, you need to go, you need to go there and sort out your own country. Um, it's it's quite stunning to be honest that the you know the the, the short sightedness of some people and the the the, the willful um the willful amnesia that, that some people seem to have. Um, yeah, but I suppose that comes back to the kind of the echo chambers of the media, yes. kind of constantly, uh, you know, pushing pushing an agenda. I suppose. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So right. Yeah. 
So, so you, you uh, as, as you keep saying, I realise that a lot of these interviews for the podcast end and we all kind of go, oh, that's miserable. So, uh, but you're an optimist. Uh, obviously, everyone should check out Media Diversified. Are there any any other kind of outlets or websites or things that you think are particularly good for a kind of um, perhaps a different outlook or a more diverse outlook that people can... To be honest, there, there are loads. There are, there are, there are lots out there. Yeah, just, just on the top of my head, you know, I, I like the Canary. I like Consented TV, which is a... Um, a, a, a small group that, um, that I've, I've kind of uh, had, had dealings with. So there are lots of really good, or you know, there's there's, there's this wonderful blog called um, the, the Partly Political Raw. There's, there's lots of there's, there's, lots of great, there's lots of great things out there. Uh, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to go beyond the mainstream media, you, it's really easier than ever to do that. That's that's one thing positive. It's it's easier than ever to to find information and to find other views than, than it's ever been and it's also easier to give your own views than it's ever been you know um the, the, the barriers you, you don't need to be the daughter of some newspaper editor anymore to, to to get your voice heard you can you can just do it either on your own or you can do it with a couple of mates it's all possible now that's that's um that's one of, you know that's 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 a wonderfully positive positive thing that's going on at the moment we can all get involved there's no reason for anyone to sort of I'm just feeling depressed. depressed. You know, you know get, get on with on it, with make it, some change, change, make links with other, other people who feel the same. Um, we can, we can all do it. Huge, huge thanks to Maurice, and so, so sorry again for ruining the last part of the interview. I'm genuinely gutted about it, and I hope to get Maurice on again in the future to discuss other issues. Um, you can follow Maurice at MoWords, M-O-Words, on Twitter, and do, do check out Media Diversified at MediaDiversified.org or on Twitter at Writers of Colour. Um, they're about to celebrate their third birthday, and they're doing a Patreon crowdfunding scheme to raise funds and further what they do. So do check that out as well at uh, HTTPS. Uh, forward slash forward slash uh, www.patreon.com forward slash media diversified do you need the HTT bit anymore it's got an S on the end I sort of felt it was necessary to tell you I just don't want to let you guys down um, in particular on media diversified this week there was an article by Jen Della Benson called uh, I have my anger back about the shootings in the US last week and a genuinely moving piece, really beautifully written. I would highly advise that. Um, and also on the subject of US and racial divisions, uh, not that website, um, but I'd highly recommend uh, Tan Nahisi Coates' book called Between the World and Me, um, which is, uh, again, a really powerful book that had me in tears a few times, and it's his letter uh, to his teenage son about growing up in America as a young black man. And uh, as as a middle-class white guy in London, and while I empathise with the deaths, I, you know, I never truly understand the racial divides, and that book really, really moved me. I'd uh, thoroughly recommend um, as there's no show next week I don't have any guests lined up but if you have any recommendations for people to talk to or subjects I should find someone to chat about um, with uh, you know please let me know uh, I'm also very aware that it has been a bit of a sausage fest on the interviewees lately so I'm aiming to get more female guests on if I can um, please do tweet me recommendations at parpolbro parpolbro on facebook or partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com and now, an excerpt from the Chilcot Inquiry, audiobook page 6,678. Is anything ever really justified? I mean, if my dog Butler snatched a sandwich from a small passing child, as he is wont to do on a mild spring day when I walk him through the town, is that justified? To the child? No, of course not. For his cheddar cheese and ham delight have been taken without remorse. But to Butler the dog? Well, he is hungry. 
The boy proffered some food near his face, and so therefore, fair game. Now, in this situation, Tony Blair's government were neither a playful Labrador nor a child, and this analogy doesn't really make sense, but hang on, what was I talking about again? Dogs, yes. Man's very bestest of friends. Ah. That was an excerpt from the Chilcot Inquiry, audiobook, page 6,678. This week's question has become slightly redundant in the few hours before recording this, as it was about politics version of Guy Gomer, Andrea Ledson. Up until Monday lunchtime, she was the challenger to Theresa May for the Conservative leadership, and never at any single point seemed to have any idea of what she was doing. One of her many, many low points was stating in a Times interview that she'd be a better Prime Minister because she'd had children, giving her a stake in the future, which really just says, I only care about my kids, not yours or anyone else's lives. Not only that, but as a Brexiteer, she seemed very much against what all the young people wanted, so that seemed like nonsense. Anyway, I thought I'd still keep the question, as there's every chance that she'll pop up again, uh, probably in a cabinet position to appease Leave voters, or at least she'll put that sort on her CV either way. And so I asked you all what an appropriate campaign slogan for Andrea Ledson would be, you know, had she continued to run. Um, I've had many good answers for this, so I had to pick just a few, or this would go on forever. Uh, so uh, Glenn Powell went for the quite simply, Mum Knows Better. I like that. Uh, David Griffith, um, in the, in the Plague Doc on Twitter, uh, he put, Yes, Mother. The best said, uh, he said, in a Norman Bates voice. I can't do a Norman Bates voice. That's unlikely to happen. Um, Jeff Winnie, uh, he said, Because I go to Iceland, playing on the mum thing. See what you've done there, Jeff. Um, the wonderful comedian Bethany Black, uh, this is my favourite, she sent several, but she just put, Andrea Ledson, truth is weakness. Boom. Uh, I love that we're now in this, I say I love, in this kind of post-truth politics era, uh, which if that's true, I just wish people would have better untruths. That's all I want. Vote for me and we shall all have dragons. Bam, got my vote. Um, at Lee Madgwick has gone for ignorance is strength, you mothers. Uh, at Daniel Woodrow, again, sent several, but my favourite was, well, because when Trump gets elected, we're all screwed anyway. Yeah, I like that. Let's do it. We may as well vote for shit, because shit will happen. Uh, Bryman tweets, at Brypot, said, twin sets for Jesus. Uh, at John Beck, I've had a couple of musical options here. One was from John Beck, uh, who says uh, she needs a campaign song. I believe my children are our future. Teach them well, but let me lead you astray. <laughs> Brilliant. Nice work, John. And uh, Princess of VP went for, uh, is it to the tune of Linda Lindell's Good Man? What a mum, what a mum, what a mum, what a mighty, mighty good mum. Um, oh, Jesus. I apologise for my singing. Um, at Steve Sparshot, uh, which went for the, the straight up, Mama said vote me in. At Ethan D. Lawrence went for, she's a killer foxy lady with children. He's actually, but she's a killy foxy lady. I don't think Andrea Ledson's killed anyone yet. Uh, but then again, who knows? She'd just lie about it. Uh, at Gibby McDibby has gone for, this isn't my campaign slogan. Show me the transcript where I said this. Okay, uh, play me the audio. I'll look over there. Which is probably the most truthful of all of them. Uh, the most likely. Uh, at Early Late Review went for Ledson because she looks like the good witch in the tale of two witches. It's a pretty damn good reason. Uh, at Budgie went for... I'd hate this election to be about who has the better slogan. I'm sure Theresa is sad that she hasn't got one. Nicely done, sir. And, ah, oh, this Twitter name. GG7088 2020. Uh, one of my favourites, though, despite the... Uh, I don't know what that is. Is that your serial number? Are you a robot? Um, 
he's gone for, he or she has gone for, I don't fucking look like Christine Hamilton. Boom. Brexit fallout! Brexit fallout! Brexit fallout! But Tiernan, why haven't you mentioned what's happening with the Brexit this week? Well, that's because the answer at the moment is still nothing. With everyone involved in the Leave campaign having now royally fucked off, it's all down to the new Prime Minister Theresa May and whether she chooses to enact Article 50. So as for now, we're still very much in the dark that we leapt into that the Leave campaign said that we wouldn't be in. As soon as Article 50 is triggered, I presume by a single lever connected to various marbles and pulleys, finishing with a small trap that comes down over a mouse, uh, then I'm going to report here weekly on this new section, the Brexit fallout. Uh, I mean, it does look like Merkel and the 27 heads of the member states all want us out as quickly as possible. And Angela has said that we can't just have the bits we want and not the bits we don't want. You know, like a really boring pick and mix. So we can only hope that they don't leave us with only licorice all sorts and none of those awesome snake things that make you feel like your teeth may never work properly again. More Brexit news soon. Brexit fallout! Brexit fallout! Brexit fallout! And that is the end of today's Partly Political Broadcast. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. As I mentioned, there'll be no show next week as I indulge in married life and what I hate to refer to as a mini-moon, but I will refer to as a mini-moon. I sort of think it sounds a bit like a Smurf has flashed it. Um, but all will be normal uh, the week after. Um, you can, as always, contact me on at Parpolbro on Twitter, Parpolbro on Facebook, or partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com. And please do come along on July 21st at Conway Hall if you can. It's going to be brilliant. Um, I, I post all the ticket links on my own Twitter, uh, at Tin and Duyem, uh, and Parpolbro one, and on all the social medias. Uh, so do keep your eyes peeled. Not literally. That would be disgusting and highly unnecessary. This week's show was brought to you by the number 2.6 million and the letters WMD. And now an excerpt from the Chilcot Inquiry, audiobook page 425,007. A few months before starting the war in Iraq, Tony Blair said to George W. Bush, I'll be with you, whatever. No one has ever said anything like that to me. I often look at my wife wistfully and whisper softly spoken words of love, but she just rolls her eyes and tells me to stop pissing about. I sometimes dream about the life I could have had if I'd run away with that French exchange student when I was 14. Marie was her name, and her accent meant when she said happiness, it sounded like a rude word. Anyway, what was I talking about? Ah, yes, the French. They drink a lot of coffee, they do. That was an excerpt from the Chilcot Inquiry audiobook, page 425,007. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.